It makes me sad when it's so easy to trick you into lying because you're such a lying shitbag. That's not, you can't do that. You can't do that. The therapist said you're not allowed to judge me. That's not a judgment. Yes, but you want to say no. One read, no apologies. The other said love is cursed by monogamy. That's something that the pastor don't agree. about not just displaying our strengths, but also revealing our shortcomings, and how important that is for building trust and respect and connecting with the people we interact with. I know I'm not the only one. Okay, well, well what up? Chill yeah. and ambitious <laughs> listeners. What up? Sorry. <laughs> that was so deep. Well, okay. welcome <laughs> to another episode of Chill and Ambitious, the podcast that points out shit you didn't know was relevant. I'm O. I'm No. And together we make Oh, oh No. <laughs> <laughs> so, No, what do you think makes a good relationship? That is a good question. I think um, understanding what you want from the other person and that person actually being able to give that to you, which is important, not like just you know, being like, I want this, but you know, I want this, but this person's totally different. Um, and trying to force <laughs> that to happen. So like, you know, sharing that information with your partner and like being sure that you're on the same page. I want a guy that just makes me laugh. Uh, actually though, I really do like me <laughs> funny, I think. No, that could be one important thing, but I feel like it's a really common thing when I'm like, so what are you looking for? And I'll be like, I just want someone that makes me laugh. And I'm like, okay, well you, you have friends that make you laugh. Like, <laughs> what's the next thing? Like, what if he makes you laugh, but he doesn't do, but he's like a bum. Like, he won't, like, work or, like, do anything. And and he just, like, eats all of your cereal and, like, doesn't ever replace it. Then what? (laughs) (laughs) And then you try to talk to him about it and he's just like, he makes you laugh. (laughs) Then he'll make you make some jokes and then you're you're over it. And then eventually you're just going to hate jokes. (laughs) Right? Like. You, know, you like get fed up with a person who's like too much of a good thing, like who's too charming or whatever. Then you're like, I fucking hate charming people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think like <laughs> getting past all those things, though. You know, you you have to you have to talk to the person, right? And you yeah, have to communicate yeah, that you you're to share that you want that from that person. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> essentially, what we're going to talk about today, uh, we're talking Ooh. about relationships and communication. Uh, we've spent previously on a lot of our chill and ambitious podcasts talking about more like what you want to do with your life in terms of vocation. But uh, we've actually, you know, neglected a little bit about personal relationships. And uh, our guest today, his name is Aaron Brown. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hey. Uh, he has a, I would say, non-conventional approach to relationships. Uh, he is polyamorous, which apparently has some... Uh, uh, <laughs> connotations to it that Aaron will get into about that he doesn't agree with. Yeah, I would. I would prefer to say that I was ethically non-monogamous. Ethically non. Ethically non-monogamous. So PC. What is? What does it mean? So what is it? Um, what's the difference? Well, I think that ethically non-monogamous is just simply a more accurate uh, description. Polyamorous is catchier and has gotten more press coverage as a vocabulary word, but I think that press coverage is is maybe a little bit problematic in the type of people that are allowed to be polyamorous. I think it seems to be only attractive, white, generally heteronormative people are polyamorous. <laughs> like, what's his name? Um, who's the guy who just came out as HIV positive? Charlie Sheen? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so when he was like living with all those porn stars. They're the best at what they do, and I'm the best at what I do, and together it's like, it's on. And it was like... People say it's lonely at the top, but I sure like the view. <laughs> right. Oh, but he lives with such babes. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it, right. All the things that he's doing are okay Hugh Hefner. the women are cute. Yeah, he, that's kind of creepy. Hugh Hefner was like, that's It is, gross. yeah. Um, sorry, Hugh. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think the media coverage of polyamory is a little bit problematic, and I also just think that it's... Not as accurate, and I prefer, I prefer. So you don't like the connotations because of the press, but also like I guess polyamory, right? It's like multiple loves. It means multiple loves, yeah. And uh, that's not necessarily has to be. I guess you don't have well, to yeah, love everyone, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. You don't have to love everyone. I don't want everyone to think I love everyone. Yeah. It also casts this tone like, oh, well, I guess it's okay if you're having sex with more than one person, as long as you really love all of them. Yeah. And it's like, that's also restrictive in a way that I'm not comfortable with. But also, how would you get to loving all these people? It's not like, like, unless you fall in love with everyone on the same day, and then it's like, all right, this relationship instantly, like now at this moment, is a valid one. That's a really good point. How do you get to loving anyone, actually? Exactly. Yeah. Is through times, time and energy. Like, how do you right. do anything? Yeah. Right? And if you're going to be strictly monogamous all the time, then I guess you have to do that one at a time, right? You have to like meet someone and immediately decide not to meet anyone else while you wait to see if you fall in love with this person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But actually, unfortunately, there is that narrative. I think it's like a Disney. It la- it's the Disney narrative. Yeah, you know, like that, like. You're, you know, you're worthwhile, and you're gonna keep following this guy, and like he's gonna pay attention to you, and like, right. one, you know, one day your glasses are gonna come off, and you're somehow gonna be attracted, like, attracted, uh, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. So actually, unfortunate, or not even just love at first sight, but like also like that you can keep trying to make people like eventually, like you could stick it out for the one person, you can put all your eggs in that basket, and then just ignore all of the problems in that basket, and that's romantic. Supposedly, you yeah. know, like that's that's a that's not seen as stupid <laughs> or, or, or just like, like maybe a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. It's seen as romantic. And um, a lot of times you're you're not even in that relationship with someone yet. So you just have like this idea and fantasy of a person. You don't even get to oh my God. know the what it would actually be like to deal with their dirty underwear. You know? <laughs> yeah. In the words of Chris Rock. When you meet somebody for the first time, you're not meeting them. You're meeting their representative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I think so that's true. <laughs> I've uh, a f- friend told me recently that uh, he doesn't really care about how people are when things are going well. He cares about how they are when things are going bad. Hmm. It's it's definitely a telling sign that that matters more, especially in someone that you're looking to you know invite into your life as a partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like to use the... Oh, bless you. <laughs> so cute. Adorable. <laughs> Your mouth sneezed. I'm a big proponent of like judging people by their ability to deal with conflict. Yeah. Like totally have a good time hanging yeah. out with them. But then like if any sort of conflict happens, um, I had a friend that... It was like over something really stupid. It was like putting your dishes away. Mm-hmm. And person just like, couldn't even have a conversation with me about it and then yeah. like talked a bunch of shit to our other friends about how I was like all like bitching her out for like telling her to put her dish away in my own home. Right. Which is like, okay. Um, and then next time I saw her, I tried to bring it up to kind of be like, okay, let's give her a shot to be like, so like what happened there? And just like couldn't talk about it. Right. And I understand people have whatever issues for why they can't and some people just for whatever reason that's not the space they're in. But mm-hmm. at least for me, it's like... And I'm really glad you brought that up. And I'm glad that you guys couched this episode around communication rather than specifically uh, romantic relationships, because I think these are the kind of things, these kind of things come up in all, all relationships with friends, certainly with family and also in your romantic relationships and uh, any kind of most kinds of important communication are usually going to have at least some element of conflict. Right. So yeah, it's important. To, to make sure that you know, you're comfortable dealing with that, your partners are comfortable dealing with that. Yeah. What do you think that requires to be able to be good at those sort of situations? Um, I think that it requires a lot of self-reflection and humility and honesty in terms of uh, speaking your own truth. And I think it requires a lot of uh, openness and very good listening and trust in terms of hearing the truth of the person on the other side. Wow. I, re- I remember when I met you the for the first, like, and we had that conversation or I, I think it was the second time I met you and we had that conversation and I found out you were polyamorous and I was like, Oh my God. Like, and I had all these questions because there was like, there was a, there's a way that you actually spoke about, there's a way that you speak about women that was different to me, but like you, you seem to like speak very highly of women in this really interesting way. And I don't know why, why it shocked me, but just like (laughs) that I'm not used to like men being so openly like, 
like, oh yeah, I said, we said that we really, we interviewed a ton of women because like, that's just like, we tend to find more women who are like, yeah. And you're like, oh no, all of the most interesting, like dynamic people I know are usually women. Like, yeah. I was just like, I've never heard I such think- a rave review about our kind. <laughs> like, so, you know? yeah. um, I and think I-, I might actually remember saying to you that like, if there's any hope for the future, it's women. Like I know so many <laughs> amazing, wonderful women and yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, what? And then you told you were talking about polyamory and I was like, I wonder if that has like shaped that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think so. I, um, I think one of the reasons that I'm so excited about non-monogamy. Oh, sorry, non-monogamy. Yeah. You know, okay. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can do it. I'm, I'm going to say what comes to my mind, but uh, correct me if, I'm, if you must. No, that's fine. Um, one of the reasons that I'm excited about it is that I think it has opened my eyes to a lot of truths that other people know better than me because I have to engage in so much intentional uh, conversations with those people and really try to uh, understand their perspective and where they're coming from on uh, the rest of the world and also on me. And uh, I guess, uh, especially around women that has opened my eyes to like a whole world of uh, injustice uh, towards injustice towards women. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would say it has radicalized me as a feminist. Definitely. Awesome. So it made you like hyper aware because you had to like, you have to, well, you're really listening (laughs) and and pay attention to like how Mm -hmm. these nuances. I, I, I would say not nearly as aware as, women <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you thank you for not hijacking our feminism yeah. <laughs> I know now I've put my penis inside many of them I completely understand all of it yeah, yeah. That, that would be a dangerous road <laughs> to walk down. Uh, so like okay let's talk about how do you like so you have to tell people up front like that you're um that you are non-monogamous. Do you tell people that like on that, like, let's say you can, you are in a committed relationship, correct? Or Yeah. Okay. And you are, you are both interested in, in being involved. We both with actively see, see other, other people. people. Okay, cool. So when and, you're, yeah, I, and you guys are, yeah, there might be more than, I might say that I have more than one committed relationship for the sake of argument. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows how many? Okay, so you have com- like there's this understanding. I'm, I I just wanted to say that because I I'm yeah. like I said sensitive to the the presentation that, that uh, this is okay as long as it's occurring in the context of a heteronormative couple. Like yeah. you know the idea. Oh, like that's just uh, they just have an open relationship, but that's yeah. okay because they're still yeah. like a couple. So mm-hmm. they're not really any threat to the status quo. I would like to say I'm firmly a threat to the status quo. Oh yeah. This is a ballad of a minute. Scrim will finish in the minute. All the suckers that don't think it flow like me that was in this society wishes for my death, for my death. So okay, you may have one or more, one or more committed, like more serious relationships, and then actively uh, see other people. So. The first thing when you meet somebody new, like if I'm like, oh my God, Aaron, you're such a babe, like let's mm-hmm. hang out. Do you tell someone right away or? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't have to do that so much anymore um, for two reasons. One, because I date a lot of people that I meet uh, in the context of a lot of other people that Community. are non-monogamous. Okay. Um, I also tell my friends so if they introduce me to someone in some kind of potentially romantic uh context they would have probably said that um i also you know uh sometimes do online dating and my online dating profile says very clearly Mm -hmm. okay so it's all about being a thousand percent upfront. yeah 
from the beginning and then all the way through all the way. So yeah, if you start, have you ever like started dating somebody and they were like, um, and they knew this and then they started to be really, really into you and maybe you weren't into them. How do you, how do you deal with that? Like if they wanted to progress the relationship a little more seriously in terms of like becoming one of your main booze. Uh-huh. <laughs> like and like you weren't <laughs> they want uh-huh. to be your main boo uh-huh. and Aaron's like I don't want you to be my main boo like how is that has that ever happened uh yeah that's that's hard actually that's really hard to tell someone that um that you're into them but not that into them but mm-hmm. I think that that can happen whether you're non-monogamous or not of course you know? yeah. yeah yeah I think uh you know <laughs> the only I think the only good way to do it is to is to just say it, you know, and s- say it in a respectful, uh, gentle way, you know. <laughs> yeah. That, that you know maybe that uh, you know you're uh, sensitive to they they want more from you or feel more for you. Feel yeah, what you feel think, for them. I think yeah. yeah. I think a good way would be to start a conversation about expectations. Right. So I think that's like a very good way in, in our pre-interview, we were talking about boundaries and I think expectations and boundaries are related concepts Mm -hmm. that are really useful to use. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't work out because they don't line up. Right. Yeah. Like if, you know, someone just feels one way for you and they really want to see you more and you just, no, that's not what you want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I've been on the other side of that. Totally. Too. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a decision about, uh, you know, I guess it's a, it's a decision about whether you can handle not having as much of the person as you want. Mm-hmm. But I also, I think saying that makes me think about, a potentially problematic thing even embedded in that idea because I don't think that we should even talk about wanting to have like own ownership right have a part of our partner you know well I, I find it fascinating because like you said this this happens in monogamous relationships all the time and like yeah. New York City dating is just like people are clearly in some ways they're seeing multiple people until you have a conversation about it is right. supposedly and, and then, then the you run away but I need some different yeah and then you run away (laughs) or you say yes and then you just keep doing what you're doing anyways or something horrible like that but we sure make it feel like we're together because we're scared to see each other with somebody else oh yeah um wonderful (laughs) (laughs) but what i like and what i think struck a chord uh with me when you first started talking to me about non-monogamy is that <laughs> creating a culture then of rather, so we're going to do what we're going to do anyways, but let's create a culture then where it, those sort of uncomfortable conversations are part of the norm, yeah. you know? So like, I think there's a lot of reason why we don't have those is because they are uncomfortable and people don't want to have them and like, Oh no, it's going to cr- like lose the mystery or like, Oh no, I'm going to like, look, like I'm going to lose the upper hand in this. And this person's right. like, but like if part of the culture is that like, you're always kind of checking in with this person and, seeing how, you know, they're feeling about it, it it makes it easier, it seems, to actually have these conversations. And then I know with me, sometimes it's like the uncertainty of where you stand with somebody. Oh my God, it's so nerve wracking. Even if you don't really care about the person, sometimes it's just like the uncertainty is the worst part of the relationship. Uh So if you just knew like, okay, maybe he doesn't have, whether for whatever reasons, doesn't have the time that I want with him, at least I know that. And then I can like, manage my expectations versus being like, oh, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't, you know? And then yeah. you're like in this weird state of not knowing how much to give, you know? Yeah. Well, it's also like funny. So we kind of touched uh, on this we were talking about earlier that like they've actually found that there might be some genetic, uh, people might, certain people might have a genetic predisposition to being, um, promiscuous what they call it you know so either sex with multiple partners or people who like on infidelity right so there might be able there might be a link between having um 
certain numbers of alleles on certain parts, like on certain uh, genes. And I know that we talked about this because a lot of the time, the way they frame it is that it's for heteronormative couples, as you put Mm -hmm. it, right? Um, But what's interesting about that, though, is that then you can say like, okay, if you want to be real and bring science into this and say some people are just more predisposed to being promiscuous or whatever, why do we lie to ourselves? And why don't we just say, these people tend to be more, oh, like more promiscuous. They want to sleep with more people. Why are we going to try and fit them in a monogamous box and then just like hurt everyone's feelings? Right. Like, yeah. I feel like certain people, you know, you want to look at some people look at celebrities and think like every single one of them must cheat. Right. Like, I feel like I've had that conversation with so many friends. They're like, oh, well, you know that like if you were to, you know, be with this kind of person or a basketball player or whatever, or a football yeah. player, they're going to cheat on you a thousand times. And then, you're like, well, look at their wives. They must know it. But like, maybe they're okay with that. Like, maybe they already knew that or something. I mean, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but then why go ahead and just force everyone to 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 live the same yeah. lie, right? Because yeah. you just hurt so many, you hurt so many more people's feelings. Yeah, I don't think, um, I didn't, I don't need to know anything about genetics to know that, <laughs> to know that there's a spectrum of, desire and behavior Mm -hmm. on almost every variable that exists. So the idea that uh, (laughs) it's, it's ridiculous to even say it, but the idea that everyone wants to be and is monogamous is uh, silly. It's a bold faced lie. I think so. Why are you coming home? Five and Something's going on, can I smell your dick? Don't play me like a fool, cause that ain't cool. So Aaron, how, I guess, a little bit of your story. How did you become someone who identifies as uh, ethically non-monogamous and then ultimately is, you know, empowered to, to spread spread the news? Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um. Well, I guess uh, I had a bad breakup, um, what I consider to be my last monogamous relationship, and did poorly, as I think a lot of people do, have bad breakups. And um, I something happened to me in processing this particular breakup. Maybe it was just the final straw, of like you know a history of of relationships that were okay or seemed okay and then um, weren't okay um, and I decided that I needed to do some serious thinking about whether there was something I was missing why why weren't my relationships working mm-hmm. I felt that they weren't working and um, so I. I kind of just started uh, dating dating people that maybe I wouldn't have considered dating before, or um, uh, trying different different things that I wouldn't have tried before. Just looking for uh, you know other ways of being in relationships. And um, one of the dates I went on was with someone who. Uh, self-identified as polyamorous and told me a little bit about it. And I started um, Googling, of course, and it just seemed like it made sense to me. I guess I felt like I had been engaging in relationships the way that I had, that I assumed I was supposed to mm-hmm. without ever having examined mm-hmm. uh the way that I was engaging in relationships in relation to the way that I wanted to. Okay. So, so how did you want to, what was different? Yeah. Or like what stuck out about, I guess, uh, polyamory that you're like, that makes a lot more sense. Well, so what's different is, uh, being specific with every person that I'm in a relationship with about what I want. Not that it's necessarily, not even that it's the same all the time. It Mm -hmm. isn't. Yeah, but uh, not assuming that what I wanted in the relationship and what my partner partner wanted in the relationship was the same thing, and you know, pretty close to like 
the Disney story or, <laughs> yeah. you know, or the white picket fence or whatever it was that, um, that we assumed had been taught by society was how relationships were supposed to work. That I now get to have a say in that and that I get to hear what my partner uh, wants to say about that. And then we get to negotiate. So that's actually really interesting. So like, have you been flexible? Cause like nobody ever really thinks about like people say like, Oh, you know, you got to compromise in a relationship, but like, but negotiating, like what you think that you have these, like, I want these things from a relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of these relationships are like, some of them are macro relationships and some of them are micro. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're like, take more of your time versus less of your time. So like the negotiation though, like that's, what if somebody wants, I don't know, just how do you do that when somebody wants something that you maybe don't want to give? Is it, it can't be fixed, right? Like, I mean, I mean, like not, it can't be fixed. It can't be a fixed thing, what you want all the time. The, yeah, that's true. What I want, what I want is uh, different depending on the particular person I'm in a relationship with, depending on the, uh, what's going on in my life, mm-hmm. what other relationships I'm in. And then certainly I think there's a negotiation process. I mean, I think there's some things you can't negotiate about, Mm -hmm. you're right, or are more difficult. Like, um, you know, I have a pretty regular office job. So if someone is only available to see me, like, between 10 and 2 during the day, like, that relationship probably isn't going to work. I just can't negotiate about that, you know. Mm -hmm. But but if if someone is only available, like, later at night when I usually go to sleep early, like I might be able to negotiate about that for one or two nights a week, you know? So I think, I think what helps in negotiations about these things and what can be difficult is to stick to really specific and clearly stated, uh, desires. Right. Well, I know you've talked to me a little bit about like, it seems to be like, we, we just use time as an example for negotiation. Yeah. You told me a little bit about how you guys, how you've approached that in some of your relationships, which I actually felt like I thought was really interesting in the sense of almost kind of like a lean relationship to me because you kind of have a hypothesis. Is this, I don't know if I maybe correct me if I misunderstood, but you'll be know, like, hey, <laughs> I want to, I want to see you once a month. And then that's kind of like the expectation that's set. And then you'll test it out. And like, hey, I want to see you, you know, three times a month or twice a month. But there's like, there's like almost like a hypothesis and you test it and you can kind of be like, all right, that worked. Or like, that didn't work. Or I want to see you more. I want to see you less or like whatever about it. Yeah. Would you say like, that's, that's kind of like how it, it works in terms of the negotiation. I mean, you can call it negotiations, but like setting expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the expectations language is good. Um, I think... We were we were we were talking earlier, and um, I think it would be good to talk about again uh, the difference between uh, agreements made about boundaries and like rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think agreements are things that are kind of like the hypotheses that you're describing, where you can make an agreement for any length of time, temporarily, for you know and. And you can try it out, and if it doesn't work, you can talk about that again. And it's much less um, binding. <laughs> yeah, it's it's much less like moral rules. Rules have this real like overtone of like morality and and uh, you know permanence and and uh, determining your afterlife and right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Good and evil, guilt, blame, <laughs> anger. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, what I, I guess just like my personal reflection of it, when you were first telling me about how, um, you know, it's just about communication and setting is different, um, I guess yeah, just communicating with your partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, you know, it doesn't sound that different from when I'm single in the sense of like, I usually date multiple people. Yeah. Uh, some people are more communicative than others, but like, at least in my adult life, I really try to be like pretty open with it, um, unfortunately, I've definitely been in relationships where the other person wasn't. I give them many outs to be like, hey, just tell me what's going on. <laughs> and it makes they people don't. so uncomfortable. Being on honesty makes people so uncomfortable. Yeah, there's like this 
thing to have to put this front up or, or there's also this, this narrative that it's it loses the mystery you know that it loses the magic if uh you if you know too much i i don't know we've had that talk because i there's certain things that like i think people can do but maybe i just don't want to know about it do you know what i mean like obviously like if you're dating well if you're dating and you're not serious with somebody it's like you know that that that's the the deal but i just don't really want to know about it but like if you want to get into a relationship then we're gonna have to be like this is the this is my the expectation you know so like i don't i also just think that people are afraid of getting hurt but in their in their like running away being like this isn't gonna hurt me like i'm gonna keep as many like i'm gonna put up as many walls as possible that like they've also like put up like it's also that I don't know. It's almost like more painful to deal with like, like we were talking about with the uncertainty, right? Like that, like you're like, Oh, I don't really want this, whatever. But then, um, it ends up being so much more painful to just deal with. Well, I think like it's becomes I think, inconvenient I think, too. And then I think the like conflict avoidance and like pain avoidance, uh, can be, can be really detrimental yeah. to like long term, uh, goals. You know, because mm-hmm. if you're if you're avoiding things because you're afraid they're going to be painful, what that probably means is that you really need to deal with them right now. Yeah, that's you know? actually a sign to be like, hey, I should figure that out. It's pain, right? Because otherwise, it is going to come back on you, and yeah, and it'll be worse, worse later. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, and just being able to talk about it, and it, it yeah, it just ends up just building up. Otherwise, um, I also think that when you be again like creating that culture where you can have that conversation it creates a sense of safety and i think that's the part about building trust and you can actually maybe you know you without that safety you wouldn't let yourself like like somebody as much as maybe you actually could but you don't because you don't have this sense of safety or like we even talked about that with like um me and noah talked about that with like sexual exploration and especially as a woman like you're always trying to like there's this whole narrative women are the breaks so there's this like very like like defensive view of sex and like versus creating uh, a relationship or interaction where you know this person's going to respect your boundaries. Yeah. You can actually enjoy all these things a lot more. Yeah, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from from women where they're like their partner wanted to know the number and then once their partner knew their number like flipped out. Do you know what I mean? Like, because they had like this idea in their head but, and then it became like this uncomfortable thing and like even if the guy was like i don't know why i'm reacting this way like i'm just mad like it's like this whole thing of like the community like you can't that having that safety right yeah is like important because then you're never if somebody asks you another serious question and they're like okay i really want to get this you're not gonna tell the truth because you don't want to be yelled at for for what you've done in your life you know yeah i think this is related (laughs) to what we were talking about before about uh, knowing what someone's like in the hard times or in the bad times, it's like knowing knowing what they're like in a difficult conversation that they might not want to be having, that mm-hmm. maybe neither of you want to be having. Yeah. But uh, what you said was actually like uh, emotional for me because it's so real that going through uh, difficult conversations with my partners has made me trust them so much more and made our relationship so much deeper mm-hmm. because I know that uh, they won't be afraid to bring up uh, difficult things. I know that they won't hide things from me mm-hmm. and I know that I can tell them things that are difficult without hiding it from them. And that is so valuable. They don't know what they want, that's why I tell you put your trust in me Share all your secrets, your desires, and your fantasies I ain't gonna tell nobody, baby Do you think that, that once you opened up that communication Started having those kinds of relationships that the Do you think that things became less painful Even when you had to deliver painful news Or deal with something painful? Do you think that... No No? 
No. Is it like a? Is it, is it just that you're used to it more? It's like waxing after you keep waxing. You're like, <laughs> it still hurts every time. It's just not as bad as the first time. Well, I think it's like the best case scenario. Like you're gonna have it no matter what. Like the person's gonna lie to you instead, otherwise, and maybe cheat on you or do all these things and do hurtful things and make it actually even worse. Then you know have to tell you the unfortunate, right? Hard thing to talk about. I think. I think maybe. Uh, I'm getting better at conf- at having those conversations earlier in order to avoid more painful conversations later. Okay. But I don't think that I think, you know, I think it's going to hurt, you know. Like that doesn't change. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked about this a little bit and I think it's actually, we I've talked to both of you about this in terms <laughs> of uh not identifying with your emotions as much and that making it a little bit easier to to go through them like so that way it's like okay it's going to be painful but it's also not going to like I will recover from this pain yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. it may even destroy me for a little bit honestly okay right. but um I guess also I I think well, what Noah was saying about like you know when the guy freaks out about hearing the number yeah I I think that is a natural reaction considering uh, our society and the things that we've been like brainwashed to think. Do you, I know, I, I know you actually, Aaron, like, have you caught yourself in some of those things? And like, how do you mitigate, like when you have a knee jerk reaction to something that you know, or like that's an unfair reaction to have maybe uh-huh. to this person? Uh, I guess I hope that I don't do some of the more obvious things like, uh, <laughs> like, oh, you should have been sleeping so many people. Oh my like, such a slut. <laughs> but but I also have certainly found myself and caught myself having reactions that are inappropriate, you know, that are um either like uh more intense than is appropriate for the situation or um of a different valence uh emotional valence like like maybe uh something that's kind of sad and i get angry about it something like okay that. um and i think you're right that that those are kind of natural reactions of like the societally installed masculinity of how you guys, you guys aren't supposed well, to be jealous. Jealous. The, you guys aren't supposed to be patriarchy yeah and yeah Je- yeah i think like jealousy is like the number one feeling people like have but like hate to have yeah because there's this like yeah yeah i think um there's almost like a losing that come like that like when you're jealous it's like you're losing something right like it's kind of like a shame i don't think so but there's like a connotation that it's a shameful emotion right because you're either wanting something that's someone else that belongs to someone else right which is like you didn't work hard enough for it or something right or like or you're just being petty right um which is not true everyone can get jealous yeah i think but it's an uncomfortable one (laughs) yeah i so i guess i think that it is much easier to handle those sorts of inappropriate emotional reactions when you can talk about them with your partners openly Mm -hmm. so when you have that trust and you can admit when i can admit that i'm having an emotional reaction that is inappropriate and apologize for it and try and figure it out um or just let it pass i mean you know but i think uh i think it's much harder to deal with those things in solitude you know when mm-hmm. or like without acknowledge without feeling comfortable acknowledging them i think a big part of just from observing you um it seems like i've known you for almost 10 years now right mm-hmm. <laughs> and i didn't i do feel like i noticed a shift in you in the sense of like it seems like part of the reason that maybe you know you're more um aware of like female perspectives and things like that it, there just seems to be uh a respect for the power of your actions and your words even right now you're speaking very carefully about this subject because it seems like this is very important to you and you don't want to you know there's a sense of like responsibility in how yeah. you frame these sort of things that I think um, it's easy in relationships to be like, I feel this way. 
Yeah. I don't even want to let you know about it. <laughs> and uh, you better listen and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Right. Validate my feelings. Validate. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably why I brought up like uh, self-reflection and humility in terms of speaking your own truth. Because you have to, you know, you have to, if, if you're going to bring up something with your partner that's going to be difficult, you, like you should be relatively sure that it is worth bringing your up. truth and... If it's not, you have to be willing to take it back, you know? And yeah, I thank you for saying that. (laughs) No, it's really cool. Like, uh, because we've also talked about this because it's it's about being honest. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to think honest just means like saying whatever it's on your mind. Right. Um, any, Any censorship or filter of that means you're not being honest. You're not being you. Right. If you do any of that, um, reining that in is, I think, for some people, may not what they think of as honesty. But there's like, but you're never the same person at every moment, you know? Like, you're a different person all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and especially depending on your mood. Like, when you're a raging bitch, you're a fucking raging bitch. And then, but you might also be one of the nicest people when you are, like, not a raging bitch, right? Like, it doesn't, like, we ha- actually, when we say something about, like, how you're, like, we were talking about if people are good or bad. Mm-hmm. And you were saying, like, you don't think people are good or bad. They just do good and bad things. And then we said, right. Yeah. And then Some what they people. are is like an average. Of <laughs> yeah, how often they're... <laughs> so they're I like to take the mode or the I don't median, think, but... <laughs> yeah, mode or median, for sure. But like, yeah. So, so I guess, I think, I think forgiving yourself for having inappropriate reactions is good. Mm-hmm. But you need to be aware that they're inappropriate. So. Yeah, and maybe like, because you can, a lot of people also, I feel like this is a relationship thing where people are like always find the excuse for their partner or like, like, or even for themselves will look, oh, go mad because of this, whatever. But it's like, how about not flipping out this time? Right? Like, (laughs) didn't go well last time. Let me just calm down and not flip out about it and then talk about it later when I'm not angry. I'm glad you mentioned forgiveness because that must be really important for this whole process to be able to like, go through intense conversation after intense conversation because, you know, they are messy and um, they're not going to go perfectly well. And I would imagine it requires forgiveness on both ends to be able to sometimes forgive your partner when they didn't say things in the most sensitive way or even on the other end because it's only going to be like resistance and friction, I would imagine, for your relationships moving forward. I think it's a very personal choice about how much to forgive and when. It's, you know, it's your capability. So, yes, I think uh, you need forgiveness uh, because not everything is going to go right all the time, definitely. But I'm also um, so grateful every time that my partners forgive me because Mm -hmm. that's not an expectation. Damn, that was deep. Damn, homie. I just have like a real question for you. Yeah. Are you fucking exhausted? Like, <laughs> because dating is like, takes so much. Like you have to plan all these things. Like with, you have like full-time situations and then you have like all these like part-time schedules. It's like, that sounds like, I like don't even like to, I tried doing the like online dating for like five seconds and I was tired. Like yeah. after like two weeks and I'm not even no, I don't even have to deal with think, the same people all the time. Yeah, I think everyone has a different capacity, you know, for like how much how much uh time they want to spend on it, you know. Would you say um, you're a voracious dater? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I've I've been back and forth across the spectrum, you know. Yeah. Um sometimes it feels nice to be more stable mm-hmm. and just have uh you know, like some some kind of regular partners um by regular i mean yeah you know frequent um and sometimes it feels good to be out meeting new people i have more. a question your your special partners the the ones that you are more um you know committed to uh-huh. right what is so different about 
those relationships or those people that there's like that like what makes you decide like I, I mean I, I like usually people are like oh they wait for you know a certain feeling some people they just keep dating someone until eventually they just end up right with people who are very like important to you like how do you cross that threshold right like because some they had to start out as ca- more casual right um yeah I mean do you mean like attachment on some level yeah I guess I'm just like is it? I, I'm curious because we actually um, like. I'm just. I think it's interesting. Some people they really want to hold out to some, uh, for someone that makes them like that they just are crazy about, right? Like even yeah, just like yeah. right. When some people they're just looking for someone that's nice and like it's like about a timing thing and like I'm just curious as to like what makes you want to be in a long term relationship or like in a committed relationship with someone. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I think it's mostly uh, being a really good communicator. That's like the requirement. Okay. You know, um, and then I think it's you know just person. It's just personal preference things. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know. I I like uh, in, intelligent people. <laughs> I like people that make me laugh. <laughs> Take me for long walks on the beach. Handle at dinners. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I guess the reason why I said attachment, because at least for me personally, Uh um, it's not necessarily sudden, but I can notice I can have like I've had relationships where I'm like we're friends clearly with benefits, and then there's relationships where like there's this extra like oomph to it. There's like uh, that maybe even grows or is like immediate. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking about them when I'm not like, you know, they're just like on my mind about stuff. And like, there's that mm-hmm. like love honeymoonish kind of feeling that sometimes sustains or doesn't sustain. But there's like, at least with me, there's like an emotional element that is or not there. Would you, I don't know what your personal experiences are like. I guess I, um, one of the things that I try to do in order to be a threat to the status quo is and because it works for me and I like it is to try and break down the idea of like hard dividing lines between types of relationships okay you know so like uh, uh, so you're saying what what I just heard you say is that you have some friendships that you also have uh, where sexual relationship is like a part of the relationship. Right, like f- people who you feel are more like friends that you also have sex with. Yeah. And then there's other people who you have sex with and have like a, a very intense emotional attachment to. But so then like, what about, like, let's just mix that up. Uh-huh. Like, are there people that you have really intense emotional attachments to without sex? Yeah. 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 Like me. <laughs> oh, you. Think about you all the time. Fucking get her out of my mind. I hate you so much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I guess for me, it's a very physical thing, though. I guess what I'm talking about, where I actually feel it in my. I do feel it in my well, heart. I feel cut, it like in this, like actually, it's underneath, like my my ribs, where I feel it. And I don't, so, I don't feel that for you. No, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> yeah, there, so there is a vocabulary. Blinding yeah. yourself. At that, okay. Yeah. That is like a scientific <laughs> thing. Actually, that there's a vocabulary for in the non-monogamous community called new relationship energy. Ah, okay, maybe that's what which it is. is just like that's NRE. The, yeah, NRE. Ah, mm-hmm. is that what that is? Yeah, I think it's a great vocabulary word for everyone. You know, it's it's that it's a chemical reaction that you have to meeting a new person that you are strongly attracted to. Um, and but again, with it's Stan, it's a little bit like being crazy. It can withstand though. You can like have that for, for oh, yeah. longer. So I yeah. guess I think you can have it for longer, definitely. And I guess for me, like we I guess <laughs> the conversation me and No had though, just for some people they don't need that sort of energy to be in a relationship with somebody, like in a more like, like typical Yeah. Like, not like exclusive relationship, just being in the culture of that's what we do. I just for me was like, why would I ever be in a ex- yeah. like, why exclude would you- myself and limit myself if I didn't like wasn't mad mad, mad about this person. Yeah. 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 I've had relationships that started with it and relationships that started without it. And I know of relationships 
that started both ways and were both very successful or not successful, independent of how they started? Well, I think because you can openly, there's, I guess, the context of that is like, I'm going to not see any, I'm going to put all my eggs in this one basket, so it better be like... Yeah. Uh, and actually along those lines, I wonder, does this happen with you then? So like, you know, we're, we're dynamic people. There's like intellectual sides, there's emotional sides, and uh, even just different interests in the way that we look at friendships, you know? Like I have different friends that I talk to about this with. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that puts a lot less pressure then on your dating life. Because I think a lot of times people have this like long laundry list of things that they're looking for in one person. Do you feel like that at all uh, applies to your dating life in the sense of being able to be more fulfilled on different things by not expecting so much from one person? Yeah, I think I think maybe in some ways that's the thing that I was trying to describe when I when I described the reason that I started getting into this mm-hmm. because I I had realized that for myself it hadn't been working to try and find one person to hold all of my eggs, you know, and that I, uh, not necessarily that I wasn't going to find that person ever, Mm -hmm. uh, but that I needed to be okay with not expecting that right off the bat. Yeah. Like how crazy is that? (laughs) You know, that you expect to meet someone and then, and then if you're really going to be, if you're really committed to monogamy, you have to meet someone and immediately decide, okay, this person can hold all my eggs and I'm not looking for anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, it's just, that's just crazy. And yeah, the other thing is that it, it has, and it has, it has enabled me to have relationships that are uh all over the board like without vocabulary you know i um i uh i feel like it has helped me to have healthier relationships with other men too mm-hmm. um like because it's it's i'm suddenly less concerned about like Oh, is this sexual in a weird way that it shouldn't be? Or like, is, is this, uh, am I becoming emotionally attached to this man? Like, which I don't think that I ever actually consciously worried about, but I'm sure subconsciously like was a thing. And Mm -hmm. now like I feel much more comfortable having relationships that are, uh, undefined in terms of like vocabulary and archetype, but just, feel right mm-hmm. like you know? you're not like oh can i be friends with this gay guy might like is he gonna hit on me like that kind of thing or like yeah or like how long can i hug my male friend you know <laughs> like just yeah yeah there's all well in football you're allowed to touch each other's asses you just have to be like wearing football gear yeah like, i think that that's right. what's so funny is that like men are so like touchy-feely with each other only under certain conditions right that yeah. are but yeah. That okay in our Yeah, in our that society. are deemed okay, but like Right. Yeah. So going against the whole uh you being a threat to this status quo. Yeah. I think uh, especially, I'm sure you get this from the baby boomers. So, like, how long do you plan on doing this? Yeah. How do you see this panning out? Like, okay, this yeah. sounds really fun. If I was in my 20s, like, yeah, that sounds like totally what I'd do. <laughs> but, like, so we're going to settle down. Yeah. Yeah, I do get that a lot. <laughs> so, like, how does, um, I guess, how do you see it? Um, oh, so you're going to ask me that Yeah, question. yeah. <laughs> no, because I think that's, like, is it just, like, um... Yeah, you think you'll tire of it or you think that you'll kind of like move into like more, more no, of a deep it's relationship? not so much that. I just, I think we've had interesting conversations about owning a house together. You know, like yeah. these sort of like, I think just as an, as individuals, not that the you know, goal Life is home ownership, but you start to like be more specific about what you want in life. And then you have to bring people with you, which I think for me is personally, um, 
in my adult life when I actually was seriously being like, you know, maybe I'm going to look for a relationship. It's because life is fucking hard and it's already hard enough to do on your own. Right. It'd be cool to do with other people. And, right. you know, you can do that in many ways. It doesn't have to be romantic partners. I'm just mm-hmm. wondering on that sort of trajectory, like how do you see this working out for you? Life is fucking hard. Yeah. And I want way more than one person to rely on. Mm -hmm. So that's my plan. Okay. (laughs) Is like, I, I plan on, uh, continuing to have deep, meaningful, committed relationships with more than one person sexually and, uh, emotionally and, uh, you know, that I can rely on and go through life with. What if, you know? Okay. How do you feel? I'm just going to throw this out there. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about like, what about, um, polygamy and like, what if people were to compare this to Mormonism, right? Like, would you like, wh- how would you, what would you say is different? Uh, well, okay. So, I don't know much about polygamy or Mormonism. My understanding is that it is very strictly one male and multiple females. Mm-hmm. And I think that's bogus in the extreme. Because of, because it's a, it became a, it's a control thing. Not a- it, I mean, that's just yet, uh, that's equally as, if not more restrictive than the Disneyland fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, a slightly different format. The whole point of this is to like release those uh, assumptions and constructs and build relationships from the ground up the way that you want them to be. What about children in, in, uh, wait, what? I'm not going to get, I'm going to get the term wrong. What's the term? Non-monogamy. Yeah. Um, I, I think (sighs) it's hard. Um, I love kids. I have um, nieces and a nephew that I love hanging out with. I, for a long time, have thought that I did not want to have kids because I, uh, because I, I just didn't want to spend so much of my life, so much of my life energy and time on that kind of uh, adventure. I think it's a wonderful thing raising kids, but um, I think I would consider. Uh, raising a child if there were like four or five people signed up to co-parent with me. Which is That's how cool. it used to be done. Like I have a good friend. I mean, right? Like takes a village and all the most conservative person you can ever find will agree. Like if you say, oh, it takes a village, they'll be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But then if you suggest that maybe some of those villagers should be sleeping together, cause like <laughs> would like increase the social connectivity and like, you know, bondedness and trust and investment in the community. They're like, oh, you're good. <laughs> No. Where did you come from? You must not be American. <laughs> evil. Um, no, it's a daunting task. I mean, yeah. we were talking about just, yeah, just even one-on-one relationships and how much you have to communicate is a lot. And then to to have that among multiple people and then have them be okay with each other. Yeah. So like, I mean, I have a lot of friends who I'm like, I don't show that friend to that friend because yeah. they, they're not going to get along yeah. and they don't like being around them. And um, it's okay because I'll just, I'll just see them separately. Um, but you have to find, you have to find a community where everybody likes each other and everyone likes to communicate Respect. and respects each other yeah. and wants That's, to communicate. Not everyone has to like each other. Well, but. to live together we're talking about yeah but know. maybe that's like you have your wing of the house that you mostly okay yeah they, oh, they don't hate house. them <laughs> <laughs> i mean i imagine that if you're, sure. you're living with this many people you're gonna have like several maybe five yeah. or six rooms right yeah. talking, right um i think i don't even do roommates so so, like, so this is this i i think this is another great vocabulary word it's called metamor uh-huh so this is a partner of my partner mm-hmm. is a metamor huh you know like I thought it was going to be like meta. Right. Amor. Yeah. It's, no. yeah. It's not <laughs> like, a more abstract love. It is like meta, like sub. Uh, it, it is a, right, a, a love that you are connected through more distantly. Metamore? Uh-huh. Metamore. And so 
it, I think metamorph relationships are difficult um, because you can't control who your partner's partners are. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, yeah. I can't tell my partner you can date that person and you can't date that person. That's again, counter to the whole idea. Right. Um, yeah. So what is your and- favorite Macklemore song? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> 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 um so uh I think you know it's it's difficult my my I've personally come to believe that it's good to to introduce um anyone that I've started dating who doesn't already kind of know the community of partners and friends that I have to that community early on um instead of like forming in a relationship over here and then you know there's I think there's some feelings that can come up around like losing that. And um, it's important. It's important to me that, that people not like all love each other, but what's really important to me is that they're able to share space so yeah. that I don't have to choose mm-hmm. yeah. between hanging out with one and hanging out with the other. Well, you know? yeah. And if these people are then this circle is basically your family. It's like, can't like date someone and not have them get along with your family or like wait for a really long time it's to true. introduce them. And then everybody's like, it doesn't, doesn't, there's no cohesion. And if yeah. they're your family, they have to try sometimes. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. they're like, you know, like, either. Yeah. I hate on your both girlfriend. Like, yeah. yeah. I have right. siblings who are, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> you're like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I hate your boyfriend. Break up with him. <laughs> but also like I don't get to tell you what to do so I'm gonna sit here and make polite conversation with them and like that's you know in some cases that's good enough right because you're really putting this person's happiness first huh and what they want to do or like their agency yeah you're not putting their (laughs) happiness above yours which I think is the fear with jealousy though in a lot of ways because it's like Oh, like, especially if someone's like, oh, this, you know, the whole, like, uh, homewrecker idea of this, like, really attractive, like, woman who just comes, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. um, I mean. But there'll always be something missing from, like, like, not missing, but there's always more you could want from someone. We're, like, human. We're always going to want more. So you can always, like, if you see it as that way, as, like, something that's not being taken away from you, though. Yeah. That's... Mm-hmm. That you can look at it that way too, right? I mean, shouldn't we? I don't think it's that we're putting our partner's happiness above our own, but if there's something they can do to make themselves happier that doesn't cross any of our boundaries, then shouldn't we want that for them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it no. sounds like I crossed <laughs> yeah. the boundary. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm totally happy with people being happy. Like I, want, I want. Olivia hates happy. I hate when people around me get what they want uh-huh. ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially no. they're happy about it. That's the worst. Um, I guess that that yeah, that makes sense in terms of like the boundaries thing, the boundaries versus rules. Mm-hmm. I like the I like the term of boundary just because it thinking about it it sounds so much more flexible. Like you have to be, and, and it comes in little ways. Yeah, I've been so aware of them lately. I like just in terms of like how much we would communicate with you. Like uh-huh. I had this friend who just in the middle of the workday just thought it was okay to like call me four times in the middle of the day just to say hi. Yeah, and like I was, and I remember just getting sensitive. Like I, <laughs> I I was able to have a conversation with them about how like. I found that disrespectful of my job because you know I work during the day and uh-huh. stuff. But part of me was like, why do I have to? I mean, why do I have to? I don't have this conversation yeah, right. with you. Yeah. And I just realized he was somebody that always tests boundaries. Like he's it just on other things. It's always uh, gonna make. He's just gonna go do what he's gonna do until you tell him no. And it's just very exhausting to have somebody is, who's like sounds exhausting. Yeah, like he yeah. does listen afterwards, but right. It's like okay, whatever. Right. Every single time. Right. It, yeah. I think it's generally polite if you have an idea that you might be about to cross someone's boundaries, even yeah. if they haven't explicitly told you about it, to like to be like, hey, so I was wondering if you might want to talk in the middle of the day sometime. 
even you though know, I like called you five ask, times and texted you and you haven't responded. Consent, yeah. You know, consent is But I call you in, in the middle of the day at work. Yeah, but you don't like, <laughs> I like ignored you five times and you're like, why isn't she? Like, I'm going to think somebody died. I'm going to think yeah. I'll call it because I'll be like, yeah. it's an emergency. Yeah. And then it's like, hey. <laughs> What are you doing? Interview, it sounds creepy. <laughs> yeah. Is that literally all that person has? No, to say? they had like a question about something, like, but it was like that seriously could like, have waited. Uh, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I just have like a really important It's question. okay. We've. I put some distance anyway. I'm just. But it happens with work relationships. It have you know, just like these boundaries that. Um, yeah. But. Once you become sensitive, yeah, you have to ask for consent. Like, you're being aware that people have boundaries and it's not just like what you yeah. feel like doing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bigger? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I, just had a thought. You know, you said it's work relationships and other things, but I, I would be surprised if anything that we've said in this episode doesn't apply to non-sexual, non-emotional relationships. Oh, as well. no, absolutely. Communication is the, like, foundation of any good relationship of community of G- actually right. whoa communication community uh-huh. same root word <laughs> boom boom hey i can't say that in arab well thank you Aaron. <laughs> thank you so much for being with us you're welcome this was really interesting yeah. um yeah so we would like you out there to communicate with us yes about what you like what you don't like if you know any of this resonated with you that'd be great you can um contact us on social media on twitter we're on instagram we're on uh periscope we're on snapchat all those things and we're at chill ambitious uh you can also check out our website at chillandambitious.com there you can find show notes you can find more about all our life innovators including aaron brown here uh, is there any any links that you would like to share? Sure, yeah. I'm on Twitter at Aaron uh, Zero Brown. That's double A Ron and Brown with an E on the end. Double A Ron. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's my ooh kill him. That's my handle on GitHub. Is are there any resources that you'd like people to check out that you think like do a good job of if they're like, hey, this is really fascinating. I want to learn more about this. Yeah, there's a Polyri- uh, sorry, polyamory blog that uh, skews a little bit to the white, attractive, heteronormative, but talks about some good issues called called More Than Two. Um, they have a book also. Um, there's a great book, uh, kind of a, well, I'll let you look it up. It's called Sex at Dawn. Um, and The Ethical Slut is a classic. The Ethical Slut. It's a good one. Yep. Cool, cool. Uh, all right, well... We'll see you guys next time. Yeah. I'm O. I'm No. And we want to say bye. Bye. Say I'm sexy, got a man in Japan and a dude in Tahiti. Believe me, sweetie, I got enough to feed the needy. No need to be greedy. I got mad friends that's pretty. Chicks by the layers. All different flavors.